Miss the latest episode of your favorite CGSW 90.9 program? Listen back to the podcast versions by going to our website or by checking out our brand new CGSW app. Available to download now from the App Store or Google Play. Hello and welcome back to Hearsay, a joint project between Pro Bono Students Canada, University of Calgary Chapter, and CGSW 90.9 FM. Here, University of Calgary law students discuss a wide range of legal topics with a variety of professionals in the field. We like to emphasize that the information you hear today is legal information and not legal advice, as we are law students and not lawyers. This podcast is purely for informational purposes. If you do require legal advice, please consult a lawyer. My name is Emily, and I'll be one of your hosts for this episode. I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Today, we are joined by Daryl Ruther. Daryl is the Executive Legal Counsel and Director of Communications in the Court of King's Bench of Alberta. He has been with the court for 18 years, holding various roles, such as Legal Counsel, Executive Legal Counsel and Director in Calgary, as well as Executive Legal Counsel to the Chief Justice. Prior to joining the court, Daryl worked primarily in civil litigation. Thank you, Daryl, for joining us today. We are thrilled to have you on this important topic, jury duty in Canada. This episode is part one out of a two-part discussion on jury duty in Canada. And today we'll start off with the administrative and procedural aspects. In the spirit of reconciliation, we'd first like to acknowledge that hearsay is recorded on Treaty 7 territory. We acknowledge that Treaty 7 territory is a traditional and ancestral territory of the Blackfoot Confederacy, consisting of the Kainai, Pekani, and Siksika, as well as the Tsutina Nation and Stony Nakoda First Nation. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, within the historical Northwest Métis homeland. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit who have lived in and care for these lands for generations. We are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are still with us today and those who have gone before us. We make this acknowledgement as an act of gratitude for those whose territory we reside on or are visiting. According to the Government of Canada website, a Canadian citizen has a legal responsibility to serve on a jury when summoned. However, while some individuals are summoned multiple times, others might go a lifetime without being summoned at all. As a result, jury duty is still a mystery to many, including us. We hope this three-part discussion on jury duty will help listeners understand how the system actually works. So with that, let's start with the basics. Daryl, could you explain what jury duty is? Jury duty is essentially when uh, a citizen is called to serve uh, by taking a role in the administration of justice, uh, sitting in a trial and to determine uh, in criminal cases, guilt or innocence, and occasionally uh, in civil cases, liability. There's a lot more to it than that, so I may, maybe I'll expand. In criminal matters, uh, per Section 11 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, any criminal case in which there is a potential for a sentence of five years or more, the accused is entitled to elect trial by jury. In some cases, uh, murder is probably the best example. The accused is to be automatically tried by a judge and jury unless a special application is made by the defense uh, to be tried by judge alone with the consent of the attorney general. 
in civil cases, uh, most types of civil non-family proceedings, party can apply for a trial by jury in Alberta. Uh, however, uh, civil jury trials like this are extremely rare. In fact, uh, since uh, uh, 2018, uh, the Court of King's Bench has run a total of seven civil jury trials. Uh, civil juries are very rare for a number of reasons. Uh, there's additional expenses associated with them, uh, which is a disincentive to seek one. Also, under Alberta's Jury Act, if it appears that a trial might involve a prolonged examination of documents or accounts or a scientific investigation that, in a judge's opinion, can't be conveniently made by a jury, then the judge will direct the matter to be heard by a jury alone. Then what do you think is the significance of jury duty in the Canadian justice system? Well, trial by jury has a very deep roots in the English common law, and a historian could probably help explain better how that concept evolved and developed in our law. But in the modern context, I'd say uh, trial by jury serves at least two vital functions. First, it stands for and reinforces the idea that our justice system is by and for the people. Justice should be understood to be a product of the people it serves. It also functions as a check on the power of the state. Any person faced with the most significant sanctions the state can impose is entitled to have that decision made by a jury of their peers. Great. Now that we, in basic terms, know what jury duty is, our next question is, so who is subject to jury duty? In Alberta, uh, every Canadian citizen who is a resident of Alberta and over the age of 18 is uh, effectively qualified to serve as a juror, uh, subject to some exclusions. And those are uh, set out in Section 4 of Alberta's Jury Act. Uh, those who are automatically excluded include elected officials, judges, lawyers, students at law, and other persons connected to the administration of justice, uh, such as members and employees of any police service, employees of the Department of Justice and Solicitor General, and probation officers. Uh, also, persons who have been convicted of a criminal offense for which a pardon has not been granted or are currently charged with a criminal offense are automatically excluded from jury service. So it seems like there is a variety of exceptions. And the one you just you talked about was um, people related to administrative justice or um, people have been convicted without pardon. So why do these exceptions exist? Aren't people um, related to the administrative administration of justice also part of the community? Yeah, well, I guess that goes back a bit to the underlying rationale for jury service, which is, or for juries themselves, uh, which is in, in some sense, a jury is a check on the power of the state and the, in a sense, the, the justice system uh, itself. It, the, the, the idea of a jury is that uh, the state and the justice system is handing this ultimate responsibility over to citizens. And as such, it, it's not really consistent with that logic for representatives of the state and the justice system to be on the jury. So I think that's the underlying rationale for those exclusions. Then to, to confirm, so then what is the population that jurors are intended to represent? Is it the everyday people, people who, who are not related to administrative justice? Well, yes, you can start with persons not related to the administration of justice because that's a pretty hard exclusion in the in the Jury Act. 
The population is intended to represent Albertans. And I guess you could say or ordinary Albertans, or uh, maybe a better way of putting it is a cross-section of Albertans. There's a, a good amount of law on the concept of representation on criminal juries. I'm, I can, I'm happy to talk about that now if, if, if you like. The, the leading case on representation is called uh, Coco Penis. It's a decision from the Supreme Court of Canada. And what is meant by representation in a jury context is a cross-section of the broader society. It's, it's and, and challenges to the representativeness of a jury focus on the process used to compile the jury and not on its ultimate composition. So a jury role that is comprised of and by a jury role, I mean the uh, the jury itself, but also the composition of individuals who are summoned to jury duty, need not be representative racially or, or linguistically or ethnically. When we make a legal issue of representation on a jury, we focus on whether the process designed to select those individuals is sufficient to draw a cross-section of, of Albertans. It must not be designed in a way that would exclude any types or categories of individuals, but to the extent that the product is not representative um, of, you, you know, in terms of the accused's ethnicity, language, any number of other, other factors, that is not a problem in law. So what the Supreme Court said in Coco Penis is essentially that a, uh, a a selection process that yields something other than a than a broad cross section would be flawed. Um, but a selection process that yields a broad cross-section of Albertans is sufficient, even if the jury that results is not as ethnically representative as we might like it to be. Mm -hmm. So it's a cross-section of Albertans. That's what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Then, okay, so if this is the goal, then who selects the jurors? The, the, uh, well, there's there's a few aspects to that question. There's the selection of the individuals who are summoned to jury duty, and uh, that's a lot of people. So that's not that's not the jury. That's the uh, hundred or so people who we ask to come down to the courthouse on a Thursday to present themselves for jury selection. That list or database is is uh, made up of a number of things. It's specified in the Jury Act regulation, but it's uh, drawn from Things like uh, voter rolls, motor vehicle registrations, tax uh, information, every, you know, a lot of the records the government has uh, on hand to compile a list of residents of the province. So that's the source material. The uh, When we need a jury, it's the sheriff's, Alberta Justice and Solicitor General Sheriff's Branch that, that manage that information that we're drawing the jury list from. Uh, they will provide a list of names. The court will issue summonses to those names. It's effectively a random process, and uh, those folks will receive a jury summons in the mail. So that's the first step. That's right. Okay, then, so let's say we have like 100 people who receive jury summons. What happens after? After they receive their jury summons? Mm -hmm. There must be a selection process after that as well. There is, yes. So you will receive your jury summons in the mail. These days, uh, there is now an online form for responding. It's uh, on the Court of King's Bench website. In essence, when you receive a jury summons, uh, you are asked to fill out a form on our website that indicates whether you are subject to one of those hard exclusions I talked about earlier Um or whether you wish to seek an exemption for other reasons. But in essence, that's the process. You return this form, 
if uh, you are relying on an exclusion or if when we receive your return form, uh, we elect to exempt you, you will receive an email that says you do not need to appear for jury selection on Thursday of, uh, of a certain week. If uh, you are not seeking an exemption or an exclusion, or even if you are, but we feel we need more information, uh, then you will receive the actual summons and the date uh, upon which you uh, need to appear. And you will appear in court that day with, as I said, uh, you know, in Calgary and Edmonton, it could be 100 other people. We could be selecting more than one jury. And, uh, and then the selection process will begin. So what are some of the, I guess, reasons that people might rely to say, oh, actually, I can't do this? Right. So under Section 5 of Alberta's Jury Act, there are a list of exemptions uh, that individuals can rely on. These include it's a matter of uh, conscience or religious vow uh, precludes jury service. Uh, if they've served on a jury within the last two years, if service on the jury will cause severe hardship uh, to their health or livelihood uh, or in respect of any uh, legal or moral obligations they have to others. Um, so, you know, if they're caring for... Uh, a sick parent or uh, something like that, if they suffer from a physical or mental or other infirmity that is incompatible with jury duty, uh, if they are unable to understand, speak, or read the language in which the trial will be conducted, if their service on a jury would be contrary to the public interest for some reason, or uh, you know, if they are performing some essential role or service that cannot be rescheduled or performed by someone else, uh, also, individuals who are 65 years of age or older may uh, ask for an exemption. So if an individual has a physical or mental disability, how severe does a disability need to be in order for them to request and be approved of an exemption? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. People with disabilities, uh, uh, physical disabilities, um, are eligible for jury duty and, and they, they may be summonsed. I, I think in most cases, if, uh, the nature of their disability would make, uh, the jury service particularly difficult or uncomfortable or challenging, uh, they will be exempted if they seek one. Individuals with disabilities who wish uh, to serve on a jury uh, may do so. Uh, Section 6 of the Jury Act provides that a person who suffers from a physical infirmity and wishes to serve may do so uh, if aided, for example, if an individual who is appropriately aided would be able to see and hear what they need to see and hear uh, as as a as a juror, uh, they may be allowed to serve. And uh, alternative, some alternative uh, physical surroundings or arrangements uh, can be made for individuals with physical uh, disabilities. Other uh, forms of disability that are a little bit uh, or or issues that are a little bit harder to identify, those might be a, a little bit more more difficult. It's um, for one thing. Um, they're not readily apparent. And so uh, the court would, would not know uh, unless told. And for another, uh, you know, accommodations for individuals who, who need them for an anxiety disorder or something along those lines would be a challenge because you can't really have anyone counseling a juror uh, in, in the course of a trial. Um, the, you, you know, the, the conclusion that the juror forms over the course of the trial must be that must be the jurors. And so, uh, you know, any sort of counseling assistance over the course of the trial would be uh, an issue. 
individuals who are are likely to have um, or experience heightened stress or or have some difficulty uh, serving on a jury because of their uh, prior experiences, prior traumas, uh, those should be disclosed either on the exemption form uh, or on the uh, or with the presiding judge at the jury selection. And I think if a person is particularly susceptible to trauma as a result of serving on a jury, they would be exempted. Mm-hmm. So if an individual with a physical or mental disability wishes to proceed and serve in the um, as a juror, uh, what are some of the accommodations they can receive? I'm, I'm sure it really depends on what condition they have, but... Yeah, it it does, and I to be honest, I haven't seen uh, a lot of a lot of cases where where accommodations have had to be made, but certainly hearing and visual accommodations can be made. And again, to the extent that we can bring in technical assistance to to assist uh, people with hearing problems or visual problems, as long as they can uh, process the evidence, uh, we would attempt to make those accommodations. Similarly, uh, you know. Uh, people with physical disabilities that, that would require uh, uh, wheelchairs or, or you know, mobility aids, uh, our courtrooms are increasingly designed to accommodate those kind of things. So for the most part, we can accommodate those. And again, as for, uh, as for uh, mental health conditions, that's a more complicated question. You're listening to the Hearsay Podcast on CJSW 90.9 FM. So... Let's assume that someone has received a jury summons in the mail. And you mentioned earlier that if they request an exemption, what happens after they refuse? Well, if if you refuse and don't show up on that day, your name is uh, still on the list. The presiding judge is made aware of individuals who were summonsed and did not appear. Uh, and chances are uh, you're going to get a summons for the next one. If you uh, do not appear for the next one, then there's a good chance that a warrant will issue to have you appear and explain why you should not be held in contempt of court. Aside from that, the Jury Act provides penalties as well. So failure to uh, comply with the summons as uh, guilty or guilty of an offense, liable of a fine of up to $1,000 or imprisonment of up to one month. But uh, as I said, the most likely scenario is if you uh, fail to show up twice, um, you may have to appear and explain why you should not be held in contempt. So is there a limit on how many times a person can be called for jury duty? In theory, no. Uh, there is the the exemption available if you've served on a jury within the last two years. But uh, a lot of people go their whole lives without receiving a jury summons. So it's uh, it's pretty rare, I think, to be summoned more than once Um uh, even, even, you know, in particular within two years, but, but even over the course of your lifetime, I think it's quite rare to, to receive more than one of these things. And there's no limit to how many times you can be exempt from jury duty? Not if it's a valid exemption. Nope. So, um, on, on a Thursday, let's say a hundred people in the room and you go through the entire list and turns out like you don't have enough people can that happen? And if so, what happens afterwards? Yeah, that can happen. It happens very rarely. Um, uh, and in certain very, in the, those very rare cases, sometimes what the judge will do is, uh, is the, uh, talisman procedure. Uh, it's, it's, it's called, it's, um, recently, uh, relatively recently happened in, in Calgary, what the judge can do, in essence, is direct the sheriffs to 
locate people off the street, uh, bring them in and uh, uh, have them uh, uh, proceed through the jury selection process. Um, as I said, this happened in Calgary, uh, I think within the, within the last uh, year, um, where the sheriffs were sent out to the uh, to the core sh shopping center and and uh, brought some people in. Uh, clearly, they'd gone through the list that day, and with the number of exclusions and exemptions, they simply did not have enough uh, individuals qualified to uh, sit on the jury for the trial the following week. So, let's say like I'm. I'm in the core shopping center, for instance, and a sheriff approaches me and said, hey, can, can you come with me <laughs> for um, for jury duty? Like, can I say, oh, no, I'm kind of busy here, <laughs> or do I just have to go with them? Well, uh, if they insist, you pretty much have to go with them. Um, uh, it's a, uh, it, it, it's in, in effect a subpoena, uh, uh, the summons, um, you, you are, uh, you are, you're directed to appear, uh, you'll have an opportunity to, uh, to explain to the presiding justice why you should not sit on a jury. Um, you can claim an exemption, but, uh, in law, um, those sheriffs are in, entitled to bring you to court, uh, and, um, you, you get to go through the process. So what happens after they go through that? jury selection process and let's say they don't have an exemption or they're willing to serve on a jury, what happens to them afterwards? So um, basically when you're selected, you're assigned a number, uh, a different number. This is your juror number. Um, and uh, you are essentially, uh, you and your fellow jurors are put together into a jury uh, as the jury selection proceeds. And again, that's usually on a Thursday for a trial that's to commence the following Monday. Um, uh, once the process is, is complete, uh, and we have our, uh, 12, sometimes 14, cause we usually want a couple alternates. Um, so once, once we select the 14 people for the, uh, jury to commence on Monday, they, uh, they're separated. They get together in a room. They're given a bit of additional information about, about jury service uh, told what they, uh, can and can't talk about, uh, going forward. Everything right down to you know what time we need you here at the courthouse on uh, Monday morning, and uh, then they're sent home and uh, instructed to come back on Monday, and and uh, the trial will commence. Let's say you uphold your jury duty. Uh, do you get compensated, and if so, how much? Uh, not much. Um, so un under the Jury Act, you're entitled to fifty dollars a day, and then there's some uh, allowances for uh, expenses like uh, parking and and some travel and, and meals and that kind of thing. Um, uh, but you're not compensated very much. Uh, there are some employers, uh, particularly large ones, uh, that will continue to pay you um, your, your regular salary or wages uh, if you serve on a, on a jury. Um, but employers are not in law obligated to do so. So uh, that is one reason why uh, jury duty can be a financial hardship for a lot of people. So in your personal opinion, do you think jurors should be paid more? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I frankly, yes. It's, it's a lot to ask of people. Um, uh, I, think, uh, I think employers that step up to the plate and, and compensate their people while they're serving on a jury are, uh, are definitely doing the right thing. But it, it, it is a financial hardship for a lot of people. And, and some trials go on for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, on that topic, how long can jury duty last and what usually influences how long these cases last? 
Yeah, they can range from less than a week to uh, months. I think most commonly they they fall in the one to two week range. Um, but uh, uh, some some big trials can last for several months. What what, what determines that is primarily the complexity, uh, the number of witnesses involved, and uh, so that that is primarily what determines the length of the trial. And then, of course, afterwards, there's uh, the amount of time it takes for the jury to uh, come to a unanimous verdict, and that can sometimes be uh, days. So is there a limit to how long the jurors can take to reach a verdict? There's not a limit in written in, in law, no. Um, I think uh, uh, they take as long as it takes um, uh, until they get to the point where um, it becomes clear that they will not reach a unanimous verdict. And uh, ultimately, that will be for the presiding judge um, to determine. Uh, usually, they will, uh, if the jury is struggling, they will um, send them send them back uh, to keep working on it um, a couple of times, even after they know that the jury is struggling. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, once the presiding judge concludes that there's no way this jury is going to reach a unanimous verdict, then uh, then that's it. Is uh, our jury trials always in person? So if you get summoned and you have to serve, can you do it online? No, Um and uh, I, I think you can imagine um, it just just picture uh, you know your juror uh, getting up from their desk at home to grab a beer from the fridge while uh, cross examination is <laughs> is uh, is going on or something along those lines. Um, no, uh, jury trials are always in person. During the pandemic, we uh, we made a number of uh, accommodations, and in fact, we rented uh, uh, outside facilities. The courts did um, in Calgary and Edmonton and in, in a few regional locations so that we could accommodate appropriate social distancing. We have a big courtroom uh, at the Calgary Court Centre, um, but uh, but even it was not big enough to, to accommodate, you know, 100 people for a jury selection, all appropriately socially distanced. And then our, our jury deliberation rooms were simply not large enough uh, to put 12 people in there and space them you know, six feet apart or however much it needed to be. So so for a time there uh, in Calgary, we were doing jury selections at the big four building on the stampede grounds. And we were actually conducting jury trials at the grandstand, uh, inside the grandstand facility at the stampede grounds. Um, and in Edmonton, I think they were in me. Uh, I think they were using the Bonaventure Center or something like that. They uh, so uh, we did what we could to continue running our jury trials uh, during COVID, uh, attempting to 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 uh, physically distance everybody uh, the way we needed to. Um, but uh, sorry, that's a very long answer to your question. There would be no way we could run a jury trial um, with jurors uh, attending remotely. As a closing question, um, if our listeners do have any further questions about jury duty, where can they find more information? Uh, sure. Well, the Alberta government has a uh, web page on jury duty. Uh, if you just uh, – I, I won't read the URL, but if you just Google uh, jury duty Alberta, the Alberta government's uh, web page will come up. Um, also, you can check out the Court of King's Bench website. Um, we have uh, uh, contact information there as well as um, – we have a sample juror summons, uh, so you can see what the thing looks like that people receive in the mail. 
And uh, that's also where we have our online uh, response form for the jury summons. So that's at the Court of King's Bench of Alberta website. Um, and then uh, if you want to know more, well, you can always find the Jury Act and regulations on Canley um, and uh, Part 20 of the Criminal Code, which governs uh, jury trials, criminal jury trials. And then uh, also just uh, remember to follow the Court of, Queen, uh, Court of King's Bench, sorry, on uh, Twitter, because we are at uh, King's Bench underscore AB. Okay, great. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and for sharing your insights. And uh, thank you to all the listeners for listening in and have a great rest of your day. You're listening to the Hearsay Podcast. We are proud to present you with legal information, but please remember that this is legal information, not legal advice. If you require legal advice, please consult a lawyer. The Hearsay Podcast is a joint project between CJSW 90.9 FM and Pro Bono Students Canada, University of Calgary Chapter. If you would like to hear more podcasts like this, the Hearsay Podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.